0: You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Baracchini, and Alex Austin
1: Hello everybody and welcome to another live broadcast of Sticks in the Six, episode 104 here at the bottom line, 22 Front Street, only steps from the Hockey Hall of Fame and uh boys we got a big show tonight it's a game day show we've got the leafs yeah. and islanders in toronto um lots of leaf talk to get to uh how are you guys doing though today we'll throw it to alex first i'm doing great man i'm surprised they even invited us back here I thought that, you know,
2: <laughs> i'm surprised they didn't see us walk in that one time do the show and think like ah, you know what nah no more of that <laughs> so uh yeah i'm just happy to be back um Obviously, I'm feeling like my passion is lacking compared to you guys right now. I'm, I'm currently yeah. waiting on my Leafs away jersey to get stitched over at Real Sports. Fingers crossed they can get it done before five o'clock because I really want to be wearing a jersey tonight. And uh, I'm not going to say who's on it, but all I will say is that if you saw my Twitter poll the other day, the name I'm getting stitched is not the guy that won the poll. So I'm breaking the rules a little bit. There's a little election there fraud here, but
0: hey. hey. You got to do what you
2: got
1: to do. Yeah. the heart wants what the heart wants. man. Exactly. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. That's right. That's right. Peter, how are you doing, buddy?
0: Oh, well, can't talk getting a Jersey stitch, but you know, things are going good. And again, like you say, glad to be back here. Like the first show went off really well. Second one, I'm pretty sure it's going to go off even better. So yeah, game day, Lee Isles. So let's get right to it.
1: Beautiful. Peter, uh, last week we talked a little bit about my, uh, my barber and how we, you know, you have to have that relationship oh, yeah. with your hair take like, you. caretakers. Right? Um, Anyways, after the show, he he sent me a quick text and just let me know that he listened in for the first time ever. Listened to our Jay Rosell episode, loved it. Thanks, we got a lot going on here, and I know he's going to be tuning in today. Oh, yeah. So, Shane, shout out you over at Five Star Barbershop in London. If you're around in London, make sure you get it. There's a free ad read for you, <laughs> and Shane's fantastic at what he does. So.
0: Um, not even a paid
1: sponsor. Not yeah, even a paid sponsor, boys. It. Not speaking even of, a paid
0: sponsor. Speaking of getting hair cut, I'm going to have to chop off the lettuce at some point, too,
1: because it's uh, getting pretty long for me. Just don't do the beer and the hair at the same time I did that. It doesn't uh, oh, yeah. it doesn't work out well. <laughs> boys, just a couple quick uh, notes from around the league before we get going here on Leaf Talk. Marion Hossa had his number 81 retired in Chicago. Evgeny Malkin played his 1,000th NHL game. And formerly Phil Kessel. Played in his 1,000th career – sorry, straight NHL game yeah. to uh, continue to set the Ironman record. Mm-hmm. And we we heard what Jay had to say about him, that milk bag bod, those pin legs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> always good to have a guy like that set a record the way that he did the 60 flex stick
2: the 60 flex stick i used 70 when i played in house league for
1: the records (laughs) there you go just for context i (laughs) used a wood stick when i played house league so (laughs) there's there's context for you as well playing
2: house league in like 1960 (laughs) that's right wood transitioned over
0: to composite as soon as they were not making any more wood sticks because gotta and every single time i'd always get the cheapest like 60 70 dollar stick
1: so. Yeah, exactly. Well, before we get into the leave Talk, guys, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Marion Hossa retired number in Chicago. Obviously, he was a key part to those Stanley Cups. Uh, he got his Stanley Cups, um, but he wasn't one of the forefront players on that team. And I wanted to get your thought. We, saw, we see Chris Neal getting his number retired in Ottawa. We see Marion Hossa getting his number retired in Chicago. Are we starting to retire secondary players around the league? And are we going to be running out of numbers at some point?
0: Peter?
1: Oh, wow.
0: That See, that, that's a really tough one because Chris Neal was a different situation because he's been a lifelong Ottawa senator. Although he wasn't, you know, the high-end type of player that Daniel Alfredson was, like even Jason Spencer was when he was with the Ottawa Senators, um, he was a lifetime lifelong player. And again, you don't see the Maple Leafs retiring Ty Domi's name because, you know – he didn't set those records, although for penalty minutes, but I, that's not something that you know people look forward to. They want to see the goals, the points, the major records and all that. So I can, even so, it's it's really difficult. You don't know which way it could go because at one point, do you give him that opportunity because he stayed with the team for so long? Or in Marion Hossa's case, he got the championships. He got it done. Granted, he didn't have the numbers. I think he was like point six. 0.7
1: careers point per game with the Chicago Blackhawks. he was 0.74, 0. 0.78, yeah, yeah, just around that mark.
0: So, decent, but like you said, it's not like, you know, what Jonathan Taze was doing, not what Duncan Keith did, not what Patrick Kane did, that deserved to get their numbers retired. So, kind of like in the middle of it, yeah, that, yeah, he was a big part and key contributor, but maybe not so much because of those accolades.
1: Alex, you got anything you you want to share on
2: this one? Not really. No, Peter kind of hit every every note that I probably would have hit. Uh, I, I agree with him in saying Chris is a bit of a different situation because you know
1: Chris is not in the
2: same echelon as as Chris, as uh, Marianne Hosa when you're comparing your skill sets. Okay. Um, Chris Neal's, I think, was entirely because of his com- his contributions to the city. What he obviously he was a fan favorite in Ottawa. Like, there's so many reasons that go into that, but I do see the point where it's like neither of them were star players. They're not having their numbers retired because they're guys who went out there and put up 110, 20 points of the season, but they were integral parts of their respective teams. So uh, yeah, it's a big, uh, big accomplishment for him and uh, big accomplishments for Kessel and Malkin as well. Yeah, absolutely. You. you
0: guys, one quick point about Chris Neal. I was at the, uh, heritage or the legends game. He had some filthy mids. When he wasn't dropping the gloves.
1: He said he had filthy mitts yeah, in
2: practice. Exactly. Do you, guys, do you guys remember that goal that Fraser McLaren scored against the Bruins in 2013 where he, he was standing in front of the net and he got a pass behind him and he banked it off his own skate and in through his legs? I try to forget every game that the Leafs play against the Bruins. Dude, <laughs> that was the one that you don't forget because that was an absolutely stunning goal by a guy who usually only uses his hands to throw punches, so... Exactly. I'd recommend
1: watching that goal, getting that, getting that goal fresh back into your mind. So here's my thought on the, the whole retiring of jerseys, because you guys know my stance on the hockey hall of fame. And, oh, yeah. and it, I, I do believe that it's too easy to get in for some players. I mean, for other players, it's tougher. Look at Alex McGill. he's been waiting for his turn for a while. This is a guy who defected from Russia, put his entire family at risk and, and still is not in the Holly hockey hall of fame. But then you've got a no cup roster going in this year. And so the stance I've got is if you can get into the hockey hall of fame now and have a full class with no Stanley cups, I mean, anybody can get their, their number retired at this point. So nothing against Chris Neal, nothing against any of those guys that are getting their numbers put up there. But I think we're getting a little bit too soft on, in terms of what, what the standard should be for that kind of accomplishment. I, I see where you're
2: coming from, but at the same time, I think it's, it's, it's specific to the organization too. like, Chris Neal, when you look at him, I, I I can see the point you're saying where it's like, you know, once you start kind of expanding your jersey number retirements to guys that didn't like weren't legends of the franchise, they were just guys that meant a lot to the team. I understand what you mean when you say it's watered down, but you know, if the entire city of Ottawa and I'm not I'm the last guy to go to war and go to bat for the sentence, but at the same time, you know, if their if their whole community loves Chris Neal that much and they all feel that no other senator should ever wear the number 25 again, then I think you can make an exception.
0: And also their history has been short compared to teams like Toronto and everybody else and the Chicago Blackhawks. So I think maybe you could afford to give Mirian holds that because he won cups, but even so with Chris Neal, even though that their career is short and they don't have that many retired players that then that I could kind of see as well. I
2: think that the Leafs should retire the number 26, just because there have been so many terrible players to wear that number that it's like a curse. Like you go down the list of guys that wore 26 for the Leafs, Jimmy Vesey, Par Lindholm, Stefan Nathan, Mike Van Ryan, there there's a long there's, list there's of a few of them there's yeah. a few of them it's bad
1: <laughs> uh speaking of jersey number boys there's been a lot of shuffling around on the top six for the maple leafs obviously we've seen Tavares with marner we've seen nylander with matthews again tonight we're going to see those same lineups i want to get your thoughts and i know alex i know where you stand on this one so we'll start it off with you but your thoughts on marner shifting down to that second <laughs> line playing with with Tavares and matthews getting Willie on the uh on the wing
2: I love it. I think it's long overdue and I don't think it's long overdue because I think Marner works better with Tavares than he does with Matthews. I just think that the Leafs really need to recognize and more specifically Sheldon Keith. because if you look back to when Babcock was fired, do you remember how all the fans at the time used fire were clamoring for the exact opposite of what we're clamoring for now? Because he would never, ever put Matthews and Marner together. He would never split up Matthews, Neilander, Marner, Tavares. And you know, I don't think fans wanted those wanted those pairings split up because they didn't work. I think it was just that it's a stubbornness. You know, as much as the Leafs have four guys who are capable of doing some serious damage on offense, you know, it, it shouldn't hurt them that much to make to shift things up and just try something new. And you know, you look back to last season; the Leafs started slowly in October as well, and. If you look back at the game-by-game record, they switched Marner and Milander, put Marner back with Tavares. And if you remember, Marner only had like three points in October last year. He had a really bad start. That switch to Tavares ended up kind of kick-starting the start of his his season, which ended up on a 100-point pace. So I think more than anything else, the Leafs just need to start showing a little more willingness to be flexible with that top six. Because it shouldn't take until the Leafs are having trouble stringing more than two wins in a row and the offense completely dry at five on five for them to be like, you know what, maybe we should try this out. You know, I'm not saying that swapping Marner and Nylander would have saved, like, you know, would have had helped them have a better month of October, but they didn't try, so we'll never know. I, I just think that, you know, as much as Marner and Matthews are magic together, and as much as Tavares and Nylander can be great together as well, they're not really being hurt by throwing their kind of combinations into the blender. I think it's just a matter of, you know, run with whatever pairings are hot. And if they start to slow down, if they start to fizzle out a little bit, then you just switch them up. And I guarantee you the results happen. And we're seeing it right now. I mean, the Leafs, their five-on-five goal scoring has been up in the past four games since they swapped those lines. And it looks like it's helping the team in general. They're 3-0-1. They haven't lost in regulation since they've done that. It's only four games. But, you know, with all the talent the Leafs have, I just – I don't think that they should be in a position – where they're stuck in their ways to one set of lines, because really the possibilities are endless with this group. Just, I think they should be a little more willing to try and change it up more often when things start to slow down. And, you know,
1: if they keep doing that, I think we'll, we'll start to see some more consistent offense, which is what the team needs. Peter, your thoughts on the shuffling up top and on the Leafs.
0: Yeah. And it needed to be done. And let's face it, no matter what happens, they're still going to have an elite winger with Austin Matthews. And everyone's going to say, Oh, Willie Nylander is not a lead. I'm sorry. What he did last season. Even early on, without Austin awesome Matthews, with him being injured, he was the best player to step up and lead the charge. Now he's still the, he's him and Tavares were the best players to step up and lead the charge in terms of you know trying to get the production going, trying to get the points going, and even the offense to like get it a, get the, give them a little jolt. And you saw how Matthews and Martyr, they kind of got back into their old ways. You got to switch it up, and I agree with Alex. You know, nothing wrong with shaking things up because at some point Matthews is going to get back with Martyr. But when they go cold, then you can start to see that they start to struggle and they start, and it shows on the ice too. With Marner's with his giveaways, Matthews, he's getting locked too much in coverage. And also, I'm just trying to figure out what would happen if Keith actually shuffled up the lines in the playoffs when it actually mattered, where, you know, not necessarily Matthews and Marner were cold, but you want to try and jump jumpstart the offense, especially mid game when you're down 2 1 to the Tampa Bay Lightning in game seven. William Nylander having those fresh legs and keeping up with the pace of Austin Matthews would have probably made a bigger difference. We're seeing that right now. Matthews, uh, Nylander, and Bunting obviously Bunting's off to a bit of a slower start than usual, but they're playing well. And you gotta you gotta make those necessary changes when you need to. You can't just hold back because if you hold back, you're going to probably lose valuable points in the standings. And in the case of the New Jersey Devils, it was a different situation because of defensive laps, but you become hesitant as a head coach, then those points are going to cost you no matter what. So it's better to be proactive,
1: make those changes right away. Yeah. I mean, with, with Nylander, it seems almost like effortless for him. Like the way Mm -hmm. he skates, the the goal the other night with, uh, uh, against, um, I forget who it was now, Uh, but Vancouver, yeah, Vancouver, where he skated past the defenseman and was just able to, to get the puck. Yeah. Right. And it was able to just put it over top of the goalie. I Mm -hmm. mean,
2: wait, that was against uh, New Jersey, wasn't it? You're talking about the tying goal. Yes, the time. So that is New Jersey. That is New Jersey. My bad. But I mean,
1: his skating is effortless. The way that he's able to get past that defender and and make that play, like that, that's huge for him, right? And to have that on the wing for a guy like Austin Matthews, who right now, and we talked about it last week, Peter, has been one of the most physical players on the Leafs. I mean, he's second right now on the Leafs in in hits. And that shouldn't be the case when you're talking about your top end player. Mm -hmm. So to have Mm -hmm. a guy like Nylander who can make it so effortless for him, I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at. And and just a quick stat for you. With much less time together over his career heading into this season, this season not on the board, Nylander has 43 uh, primary assists on uh, Matthew's goals over his career. So for for his first six seasons with the Leafs, Nylander has 43 uh, primary assists. Mitch Marner only has 48. So it kind of gives you that idea of how important a guy like, you know, William Nylander can be for a guy like Mitch Marner or uh, Austin Matthews. Whereas Marner seems to grip the stick a little bit. We know about his, you know, gaining that confidence, being ready to play um, and, and maybe how he maybe carries a little bit more weight on his shoulders as a Maple Leaf, as a Toronto boy, than somebody like William Nylander who can come out here and play his game. So I don't mind the mix up. I think now's the time to do it November when the game's, Sure, they mean something, but they're not as important as, you know, you're heading into January, all of a sudden you're scrambling the lines trying to figure out what the hell you're going to do. So I don't mind it. We're going to see it again tonight against the Islanders. We'll get into a little bit of Islanders talk a, a little bit later in the show, but definitely something to keep an eye on as we head You know, in deeper into the season, and get a little bit more sample size as to what you know what to expect from these lines as well. I
2: remember when people used to be all over William Elander for being you know having no hearts or no work ethic, yeah, no work ethic, looking like he didn't give a shit out there. Like I think that was, I think a lot of that is confused with the fact that he's just a graceful skater. Like when you, he's not the type of skater like Mish Martin or Zach Hyman, where you know he puts his head down and he just guns it into the corner or something like that. Like William Elander doesn't need to look like he's He's on fire. He's got he's, his skates are on fire to look like he's like to get around the ice rather. I mean, you look at him skate and it, it, it's, it's just graceful. There's no other way to put it. So it's, I think we've really been exposed in the past couple of years. to the type of player that Nylander can be when he's at full health. And I think it's a lot better than what people thought he would be. Originally.
1: So speaking of Nylander and, and Tavares, in some sense, both got their 10th goal of the season the other night. Um, both are the first two on the Leafs to double digits and goals and both are players that have been overly criticized over the last couple of seasons. JT seemingly slowing down, not the, not the type of player he once was, um, averaging a point per game this season. Neilander, another guy that seems to be the, the the go-to when they're looking for a trade option, and both of them are off to hot starts. Both of them are averaging a point a game. What are you guys seeing in, in uh, JT's game that has maybe spiced it up a little bit for him this season and kicked him off to a great start at 10 goals. Um, I'm
2: looking at the fact that he's not dealing with a newborn at home.
1: (laughs) Forbes, you know, you know, you you can, you
2: you can make your jokes about it, but you fuck, you're even telling me on the way over here that when, when, you know, you're with the birth of your daughter recently, you've been getting no sleep and stuff. So imagine doing what you're doing and then also going out and playing in, in the NHL every other night. Right. I, tr- I tried. <laughs> yeah. I tried. Got as far as house league. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it, you know, I think Tavares and, you know, you factor in the fact that his kid's a year older this year and he doesn't have to like be getting them in the middle of the night and stuff like that. You factor in the fact that he's not recovering from an injury this off season. He's just, I don't know why anyone ever said that Tavares was washed because Okay, if he go if he comes out last year and puts up say fifty points or something like that, then yeah, I understand why there people are going to be saying that because you've got a guy making eleven point seven million dollars who, you know, hypothetically would have only had fifty or sixty points, but this guy still had seventy six points in seventy nine games. Yeah. So, I think it's just I think it's easy for a lot of people and Leaf fans specifically to take Tavares for granted just because. They've got Austin Matthews, who's the young, vibrant player scoring sixty goals like he did last year. He's on pace for fifty both in the, both in years past, and um, I just think, like I said, it really just comes down to taking him for granted because you know Tavares. There's a reason that the Leafs went out and signed him. It wasn't just because he was from Toronto because if that was the case, they would have gone out and signed Sam Gagne. Like Tavares is a he's a he's a world class player and. I guarantee you he doesn't get half of the bad press that he does if he's not playing in the hockey hotbed of North America. And that's really just the way it is. And and I'm not trying to make him sound like a victim or make the Leafs fans sound like victims or anything. But I do think that when you get to Toronto, there's a little bit of a stigma behind you. There's a lot of people that can't stand to see the Leafs succeed. And that's probably where a lot of this chatter from Tavares came from. But... He's shown that he's not washed. He's only 32 years old, I believe. He's he's still got at least, he's got the remainder of his contract in the tank at the very least. So um, it's been very impressive to see him this year. He's worked well with Nylander and he's worked well with Marner. So here's hoping that he can continue it throughout the season and remind Leafs, you know, why they brought him home.
1: Peter, your thoughts on both Nylander and Tavares who are both on uh, paths for career seasons if they continue the success they've had early on.
0: Yeah. Do you hear that? Those are crickets from the John Tavares is washed, you know, fan club or whatever, because he, whatever was going on or whatever, like he heard or he saw, he probably just put that noise to rest because like you said, he's on an absolute heater right now. You know, he's like, all four of them are above per game players. So to see this kind of like new, not necessarily newfound mentality because we always knew John Tavares' mentality. He was always a hard worker, always digging in and always giving it his all. I mean, Let's face it, when things go south or when people are going to point the blame, they're going to point the blame to the captain and one of the highest played players on the team. That's that's just a fact. We've seen that many times. But right now, the biggest difference that I'm seeing is how quick he is. I mean, we saw it at times last season early on how he was quicker. He was like much more effective in transition. Start to tail off a little bit, but right now his speed is matching that of William Nylander, matching that of Mitch Marner, who are both quick players themselves. And even though Tavares likes to slow the pace of the game down as well, as well we've seen him jumping up into the rush, gaining in, getting in on the attack, on the forecheck, and then coming out of the corners with such great speed and attacking the middle of the ice. That's what I was kind of noticing was missing from Tavares the last few seasons. But then again, he did have those oblique injuries. He had, he got another one. We thought that, okay, is this going to play a factor? Clearly not because, you know, well above a point per game, 20 points in 19 games already. But yeah, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. And I really can't fathom why, there. again, there's so much hate. Obviously, there's going to be hate because of the fact that highest-paid play, highest player, you're going to use the captain as a scapegoat. But you can't do that anymore. So... Because he's performing well, because he's doing well, he can. And same with William Nylander right now. Like, you could understand the fact that early on in his career, yeah, he seemed to float a bit at times. But right now, he's just a different energetic player, right? Everyone was saying with William Nylander, what we saw at the World Championships, with him laying the body, getting in on the forecheck, being aggressive. How come we didn't see that with Elise? Well, we're seeing that even more so right now. And to have those two players found this, like, not necessarily newfound game, but new aspects that they're developing... Is going to be big for them. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I, I know you say the doubters are quiet, but there are people that are saying, you know, John Tavares. Most of his points are coming on the power play. And sure, I mean, you've got Fair 12 enough. out of 21 points on the power play. But what is one of the keys for the Leafs that has failed them in in recent playoff runs? The power, Sorry, the, power the power play, right? So to have a guy like Default that presence. who's willing to be that kind of Thomas Holmstrom in front of the net that'll yeah. clean up and get those garbage goals to to tip in whatever opportunities they get to have a guy like that is is perfect. And if if he's excelling right now in the power play, I mean, I don't care if you give him 14 minutes a night like they have been to manage manage the load. He's getting it done when yeah. when you need it to get done, right? Like two for two for three or two for two the other night on the power play. Like mm. this is this is exactly what the Leafs need. Come, come playoff time, right? So, for that, I mean, the doubters can stay quiet because yeah. twelve out of twenty-one, this guy's still on pace for a career year. Still
0: great, and still even, great. Even so, like, yeah, yeah, he's got more points on the power play than five on five, but the fact that he's producing both at even strength and five on five, yeah, it's a little bit more skewed to power play. When he's effective at five on five, he's effective at five on five. There's no, there's no question about it.
2: Boys, before we move on from this topic, we should check out the streamyard comment section and see if we've been missing. This is gonna be real awkward if we don't have it. Yeah, we don't no have comments. any comments. Never no mind. That's okay. Mind. We're all no good. comments. are all good. I just outed us for having nobody following along right now. <laughs> I was
1: gonna, I was gonna touch on Nylander as well because the big thing it. there is that his five on five, he's got twelve out of twenty points that are five on five. He's excelling at five on five. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the physical play, he's got eight hits, the lower end of the of the Leafs roster. But you do have other players stepping up in that in that aspect. Rasmus Sandin leading the way with 46. As I mentioned, Austin Matthews has 39 hits. Yeah. So that's something that obviously you want to get away from a little bit mm-hmm. with with Matthews being your secondary guy when it comes to physical play. Obviously, Washington you see Ovechkin play that type of way. But Austin Matthews, while he stays engaged, doesn't have to be that physical aspect of the game, right? Yeah. So I mean, worth worth noting as well. But these and, these guys are both on on pace for like career years. The doubters need to kind of keep quiet. Yeah. Obviously, the bottom six is something that the Leafs do need to work mm-hmm. on, but that's something that you know they can kind of address as the season goes yeah. on. As Just well. looking
2: at that list that you have there, I am shocked that Mark Giordano has less hits than pure Engvall.
1: How about Nicholas Obey Cobel still sitting in sixth Oof. with twenty one hits? Wow. guys, not even on the 16, team anymore. Yeah, yeah. So there you go.
2: I, you know what. I, I feel like I disrespected Engvall a little too much. I, uh, on multiple occasions, I said he looks like he's afraid of contact on the ice, but he's like, what is that, like eighth on the team in hits?
1: Yeah. All right. He's averaging a hit a game, essentially. Okay, if
2: you asked me off the top of my head, I would have assumed that he had like one hit on the air, so. yeah, It's I not mean, so much actually hitting a player.
0: It's more so just the separation of the players. Engaging. Play. Like, engaging. Yeah. Like, yeah. William Nylander, he doesn't have all the hit. Like, he's not going to be a physical player. There's no doubt about that. But with eight hits, the way that he's separating player from puck, that's huge. The way that Engel should be doing that is what he should be watching Nylander do because that's what's making him successful. At 6'5", 220, 230 pounds, Pierre yeah. Engvold is, not bad. he should be doing that consistently every single time. Like, even if he's not going to, like, you know, hit a guy into the boards constantly like Nekave Kubel, just separate him. Like, that's like, you know, the hockey basics, you know how to do that. And especially with his size, it shouldn't be a
1: problem. Boys, before we get uh, to the Eng- Engval conundrum that we have with the Maple Leafs, just a quick word from our sponsors here in the House. Hockey is back and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out of, or watching the game at home with the gang. What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at Indie Ale House in Toronto. With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto at Bay and Bloor. The Bureau of Tech location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA, which we are indulging in here on the set, uh, and dozens of rotating monthly specials, special release beers, perfect for takeout, dine-in, or the bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find the Instigator IPA or Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face, hoppy beers for the beer geeks like myself to mainstream Pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie Alehouse is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indiealehouse.com to place your orders today.
2: Can I just say that as a self-proclaimed mainstream pilsner drinker and a guy that typically goes for the lighter beers and can't stand IPAs, this IPA is absolutely phenomenal.
1: And and, he, and, and he didn't get paid to say no. That. <laughs> I, I'm not, I am not getting paid
2: anything to say this. I'm truthfully, I you know how I know it's a good beer is because the logo looks like a guy who wants to kill me. Well, I mean, to
1: typically. Give me three days with yeah. no sleep and my beard back, and I—that's—that's
2: that's kind of what I look like. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, a little bit. I've got to throw a little gray dye into the beard. I
1: think, uh, the but. gray's coming in. There's the reason I'm wearing a hat here today on set.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, as a uh, as a guy that usually settles for the easy drinking stuff, the Molson Canadian, the Land Shark, and all that. Instigator IPA is very,
1: very good the brand it name. It, it is. It yeah. is very good, boys. And as as Always, we should mention that we are here live at the Bottom Line in the locker room studio, um, shooting our live episode, boys. And it's it's such a great restaurant for pregame. Yeah. Um, even on nights off, come down and, and have a beer. But we're here, 22 Front Street, just steps from the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, come check us out. We'll be here after the show as well. For Toronto's a of turns. classiest
2: sports bar. There you go. That's what classy they go by. Bar. And
1: yeah. you know what? I've never seen. And again, I'm not being paid to say this. There it are a lives- few sports bars that are as classy as yeah. this one. I think. I'm telling you, you walk by this window here right now. There's construction going on outside, but you'll see us. You'll see the big smiles. You'll see the beers. You'll want to come in and have yeah. a drink.
2: Half the people in this building right now are wearing a blazer and a tie. Like it, that's all you need to know. Or
1: Joe Thornton yeah. on the back of your jersey.
2: <laughs> it does live up to the reputation as the classiest bar.
1: Like it is very, very high end. Yeah, it this is. is. It this
2: is. is the kind of place you take a girl on a first date.
1: There you yeah. go. There you go. If you can afford it. Uh, Pierre Engvall, the conundrum of Pierre Engvall. So this is going to kind of tie in with our free Nick Robertson here. And we will we, we'll, we'll tie in both conversations here because Nick Robertson for the, I believe fourth straight game is going to be a, uh, a extra sitting up in the press box. The scratched. same way Shane Wright has been the extra in Seattle. Beautiful example of how not to develop your, your uh, farm system. Oh yeah. And yet here we have a 21 year old Nick Robertson. Who's just, you know, chomping at the bit to get in the lineup. Um, instead we continually see Pierre Engvall enter the lineup we talked about his physicality yes he's got 20 hits yes he's ninth on the team in hits sure he's averaging a hit a game but there's I could watch a game and count about 15 other plays where he could engage physically and he simply doesn't he peels off it's it's the same thing that people were, were criticizing Nylander for for years and yet this guy's a 6'5 forward that should be using his body at in some in some way um, Alex, let's start to you first, your thoughts on Nick Robertson being out of the lineup once again, and why do we keep seeing Pierre Engvall in the lineup? You know, I've been, and I've been a massive proponent on getting
2: Nick Robertson back into the lineup because the fact of the matter is Alex Kerfoot has been locked into that second line role on the left side. He's got no even strength goals this year, and him being in that second line role is the majority of the reason that I want Robertson back in the lineup as well as Pierre angle. Like we, like we said, he hasn't really done much of anything this year. He scored a couple of goals. His last few games have been better. I'll give him that. But as a whole throughout the season, you know, for a guy that said he thinks he can score 20 goals this year has not been that kind of start for him. He's well on his way. He's well on his way. He's, he's about as much on his way as Malgan is. <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Anyways. Um, yeah. I mean, at the same time though i have sort of warmed up to the to why robertson has been scratched not not necessarily the fact that he's been scratched over and over but why he's been he hasn't been sent down yet i understand that there is value with a young guy like him being around the team seeing the day-to-day operations getting a practice with the big boys if anything who knows maybe that gives him a little vote of confidence that like no listen we want you on the team we just there's not a spot right now Having said that, I do just I, I don't want to see it get to a point when he his legs burn out just from not being used. Like I know that sounds like a that sounds like a bit of an oxymoron, but at the same time, you know, when you got a guy who's like Nick Robertson, like you he said, he's chomping at the bit, he wants to get back in the lineup. I understand, yeah, it's it, it's nice having him around the team. He's making extra money in the NHL. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's laughing about that. But at the same time, at what point does it become too much? At what point do they just get him back in the lineup just so he can keep his legs fresh? That's the main issue that I have. I just, I, I'm not a player development expert. I am, you know, most of the tweets that I put out there about Robertson are completely from the bottom of my heart as a fan. And what I want to see as a fan, I understand that I, my heart does not operate the same way that Keith's brain does, but at the same time, like it can't be good for development when they're sitting there being mm. scratched over and over and over, and they don't get a chance to put their work in practice to use in a game. Because at this point, if you're, if you're putting in the work at practice every day, that's great. But at the same time, that should be trying to get you into the game. Exactly. And what like, what are you practicing for in that case? Are you practicing so you can do better in the next practice? Like, I don't know. I, I'd like to see him get at, at the very least, get into a game every couple of games and get put into a position where he does well. Because the thing is, My take on Robertson has always been with the style of player that he is, you need to put him, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a top six role, but you have to put him with fellow, fellow minded players, guys that can set him up for success and guys that can, you know, help the best part of his game shine a little more. And, you know, when you see him play a couple of games on that second line and then the next game he's on a line with Engvall and Yarnkroak, and he only plays eight minutes a night. Then the next game he gets scratched because he didn't do anything. It's like, you got to give him a chance to get consistent minutes with guys that he can play well with. And then at that point, I think that you see, I think you see the best version of Robertson. Like he's got five points in 10 games right now. So I I don't know. I'm I'm just, I'm sick of seeing him having to ride the bench over guys that are really only in the lineup because they're
1: Keefe's guys. I'm going to assume that you were referring to this quote by Luke Fox from Sportsnet where he said, and they, they did ask about uh, Nick Robertson at practice yeah. at game day skate this morning. And Sheldon, Sheldon Keith responded with, I'm not going to answer this question every single day. What I would say is there's a lot of benefits to being in the NHL. And I assume that means like being around the team and, from the pros, and playing yeah. the game and learning from the pros. But at a certain point when you you're a 21 year old who requires that game Aspect to continue to develop your game. It's it's hard to sit up there and watch from from the yeah. from the top every every night. So, Peter, what are your thoughts on Nick Robertson not being in the lineup, and, and obviously Pierre Engvall being the guy that kind of subs in, or or even hell, we can talk about Alex Kerfoot if you want to yeah. talk about him as well.
0: Well, I'm just gonna state off one of the uh, comments that Keith made like a few days ago on the 18th. And this is from uh, TSN's Mark Masters. At this point, it's probably what others don't do. <laughs>
2: That quote made me laugh. That quote made me laugh.
0: Listen, I under, i understand like what you said before too. Like having, there are benefits of having Nick Robertson up in the NHL even if he doesn't get the ice time. You know, practicing, learning from the pros, eyeing things out, seeing how everything is developed with their plays and execution. I totally get that. There are some things where maybe he wasn't as consistent. You know, after his first two three games, where it may have kind of tipped up, fell off, and maybe you wanted to rest him a bit or sit him and let him watch the games from the press box. I totally get that. But at the same time. What has Ingvald done? Um, he has only done. Uh, let me pull up the stats here. Four points in 18 games. Alex Kerfoot, six points, one goal, 19 games. Uh, Nick Robertson has one point less than Kerfoot in nine games played, in less nine games less played. So
1: five points in 10 games. That, to me, is worth, b- worth noting that Nick Robertson is also averaging a hit a game, just like Pierre Engvall as well.
0: You know I, what? I was just getting to that, too, because I'm looking at his Elite Prospects page. Extremely hard on the forecheck, relentless in puck pursuit, and a big-time trash talker. Offensive dynamo, shifty playmaker who, whose puck skills and smarts make up for a smaller frame. We have seen, we saw that through the preseason. We saw that in a small sit in the AHL because he got sent down because of contracts, and then he got brought back up. This is a player whose development was derailed after that 54-goal season because of the pandemic. Comes in, was just under a point-per-game in the AHL, has another strong season, misses 8 to 10 weeks, comes back, point-per-game player. This is a guy who puts in the work. This is a guy who's been putting in the work with the Maple Leafs right now. And even Keith said that, even at practice, he's showing that consistency to be aggressive in practice. Great, but now it's time to reward him because at some point, like you, Alex, I think not necessarily that his legs are just going to get burned out. I'm wondering if it's going to lead to a situation with both player coach and management where it's going to be a bad you know situation where if i'm not going to get the ice time, mean, you're not going to play me either send me down to the ahl or trade me to a
1: team where i can show my strength would, and work. i don't even see the ahl as an option I, you it's know, too if easy for him if you're robertson right now you're saying if i don't play get me out of here i, I, I and i hate it, with it would come to that, that. The, yeah. the, the the problem here is that has been the development and like you said alex that that keith has his players in the lineup And for whatever reason, Pierre Engvall has, you know, tickled his fancy that he wants to continue to play this guy in the lineup for absolutely zero reason. I've, I've seen zero effort. And I I mentioned it the other night on Twitter that um, if you watch Engvall's game constantly in the offensive zone, he's skating Mm -hmm. shoulder to shoulder with the opposition. If you're skating shoulder to shoulder with the opposition, you are not getting the puck. You are not making plays. You're not getting involved and you're not going to score any goals. So what, what, value do you have to a team that needs goals and needs offense when you're skating? Basically as close as I'm, I'm sitting with Alex right now and saying, you know, this is a great idea. This is, this is exactly how I was taught to play hockey. Yeah. It's uh, what I find with Keefe. And
2: again, I'm not a coach. I'm not in the dressing room, so I'm not going to say this with my whole chest, assuming that it's the right thing. This is just sort of my observation. It seems like a lot of the time with his players, he, he gets fixated on trying to squeeze out the best version of them that they once possessed. And that's fair because you do want them to yeah, get back to their full potential like we saw last season. Like we saw him do – so we see him doing it with Engval right now. Hall. Another great yeah, – I was just going to say another great example <laughs> is that Hall and Muzzin pairing because for the first half of the shortened season with the North Division, Hall and Muzzin were their best pairing by far. And
0: – Hall shut down McDavid.
2: Yeah, and it's and – it, after the first two months of that season, it started to, it started to prove to be a little less effective than maybe we thought. And, you know, you saw Keith try Hall and Muzzin multiple times last season. You saw him even try to try them to start this season and neither time it worked. And it's like, sometimes he's just got to understand that, man, not all these things are meant to be right. Like, I don't, I don't know. I've, no, I 10% so many
0: opportunities. Just, yeah. At what point do you say, you know what? I'm not seeing you make that progression. I'm going to sit you. Yeah. It's
1: even but, if it happens mid game, the other, I'm, thing- I'm not, I'm not a player development coach either, but yeah. it's player development one-on-one. If you can't get the job done, you're out of the line. Yeah. If you're getting the job done. And and from what I've seen, five points in 10 games for a 21 year old who has consistent, consistently not seen the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you're getting the job done. You're you you you're throwing the body around for a guy of his Very size well. and stature. Why the hell is he not in the lineup?
2: And he bulked up in the offseason too. Yeah. You know, the and the one part that bugs me the most too is like I understand the arguments that people will make for Alex Kerfoot and for Pierre Engvall. They're both defensive minded players. They both play the penalty kill. Kerfoot, obviously, with his 3.5 million, you're not gonna you're not gonna sit. I'm sorry. Like I as much as I think yeah. he's deserved to sit or get set a game here and That's there a this pipe year. Team. It's not going to happen. Engvall, it's happened once, but it was a one-time thing. He's been in the lineup every other game. Part that bothers me when people talk about how, you know, those guys bring good defense and they they, they bring an aspect of the game that the Leafs need. What have the Leafs needed more than anything else to start this season? Goals. Scoring. Until that game against... Was it the game against Buffalo on Saturday? Until that game against Buffalo on Saturday... They had only scored more than three goals twice in the season, and that's through that's through like seventeen games.
0: And I think that was the first time they reached five goals in the in the season. Yeah, for one game.
2: So, and while well, Pittsburgh, before that, I think oh, all yeah, the other, P- but yeah. either way, you know, the Leafs need goal scoring. They need goal scoring at five on five specifically. Both of Robertson's goals came at five on five, if I recall correctly, in that game against Dallas. I don't know. At this point, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of team defense for a guy who can put the puck in the back yeah. of the net, and especially for the that second line with Marner and Tavares. As much as Tavares is capable of scoring goals, he's not your Austin Matthews or William Nylander type of shooter, where he's going to want he's going to sit at that at the hash marks and sit for the one timer. They don't have a pure shooter on that line. Robertson is a pure shooter. And I'd like to see him get more than three games with that line because if you're going to play him there for three games and remove him off that line as soon as he doesn't do well anymore, how is he going to develop chemistry? And if it, you know, if he gets to a point where he's playing, you know, you play him there for seven, eight, nine, ten games or whatever, and he's really not working, then yeah, change things up. Because at this point, all that matters and what should matter more than anything else is winning games and doing so with the best combinations possible. And that's why I can sort of stomach the way Robertson's been sitting the past couple of games because it's like it's not like the least are losing, right? Like they're 3-0 and one since they since the last time that he played. Pontius Holmberg is in the lineup who's also been doing pretty well, I think. So in the end, I guess we're really compl- we're, we're complaining about third world problems here, but at the same time, you don't want to see a guy like Robertson have his development off roaded and kind of go off the rails just because there's a couple guys in the lineup that Keith has a devotion to and he can't. But you off. don't want to
1: see him walk either. And that's right. that's right. my that's argument. Right. Yeah. Here yeah. You don't want to. You don't find. Yeah. Fine, you're three on one. You're you're having success. Your 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 third line with Pierre Engvall on is not having success. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen I haven't seen the success from that third line
0: and even if he's
1: in the bottom 6 role. Even he's if going he's to in the bottom 6 and he's getting NHL reps. That's that's what you're looking for. And I know I know we're, none of us are sitting here as player development mm-hmm. coaches but at the same time like it it seems to be common sense at this point. When you have a yeah. 21-year-old with that kind of talent, that kind of ability. I mean you you look back on his OHL career, sure it was the OHL. But look at how he dominated as an 18-year-old OHL. as an 18-year-old. Look at the AHL. Mm-hmm. He played phenomenally. And then he comes here, and he's not getting the reps. He's sitting in in the press box, um, and it just it just it just doesn't seem right for the team that is looking for ways to get past that first round. And you need the offense, the defense, like the the defensive play is not the issue here. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen, we've seen where their numbers that are. Is, that it's is more so puck management than it is defense.
2: Absolutely. If you like, that is the easiest way to spot a fan that hasn't watched the Leafs since like 2015 is yeah. if they're, if they say, Oh, they're not going to go anywhere. They don't have defense,
1: but they do have defense. Yeah. Uh, their, their problem has been disappearing in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Look year. at the last 10 games in every play. Every time Engvall touches the puck, it, it's your, a hold your breath moment where you're worried that he's going to throw it away to, yeah. to the middle of the ice to an opposing player. And and have a giveaway. It's the same way I feel with Mitch Marner in overtime. Oh yeah, (laughs) like you just you you hold your breath every time he's on the ice and every time he's near the puck. So, I for me, I think it's time to get Nick Robertson in there. I think it's time to, as you'll see with the episode hashtag Free Nick Robertson. (laughs) Let's get this guy going with the Maple Leafs. Let's get him playing some games. Let's see what he he can offer. We know that his his brother is a top ten player in the league now. Oh yeah, the genes are there. The genes Mm -hmm. are there. Give this kid an opportunity because you're going to lose him otherwise. He was the reason why they beat the Dallas Stars. And they needed that, that goal. Win. Absolutely. Game goal. They, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That was the first game. By the way, after- he, get, he got the goal ahead goal. They tied it up, and then he got the game winner. But my thing is this too. When you see Alex Kerfoot pass on a point-blank opportunity like it was against Pittsburgh, <laughs> that, that's a shot right there. Nick Robertson would have shot that. Like Alex said, you need goals. Nick Robertson can shoot the puck. Yeah. When you see that, when you see the lashes that Ingball had they, where he just throws the
2: puck away, that's not gonna cut it. I also don't think that Robertson's getting enough credit for what he did. Like, okay, I understand that in a vacuum, that game really doesn't matter all that much. It was like what game six or seven of the I think year. Five? Yeah, yeah, five or six, either yeah. Either way, it was it wasn't it was an early game, but it was not, a good indicator. It was a good indicator, and it was, you know, the Leafs are coming off an awful game against Arizona where you know, first of all, they lost on home ice, to Arizona. That's bad enough already. But at the same time, they go out and they they go out and they lose that game. And then you've got all that drama in the press conference afterwards of um, Marner, you know, supposedly having Keefe in a chokehold and having to come out and clarify his comments and all that. Those couple days after that game, rocky. We're just it, it was a rocky. Right. Couple right. Of it was days rocky. Oh. It. And what did Nick Robertson do? He made his debut and he basically put the team on his back and. Got them a win when they needed it. Yeah. So it, for that for that reason alone, I mean, come on,
1: just give the kid a chance again. Okay, boys. Also, uh, we, also, do, we, we do, do all, have a quick comment here. Uh, yeah, I we have yeah. a quick comment here from from our <laughs> advertiser over at Blimp.ca and friend of the show, Zane Hensberger. He's in the house. He's having a beer. He's right he's, there. He's sitting over here in studio with us. He's also willing to comment on our show, so we're not looking like total duds here. But <laughs> so shout, shout out to Zane for keeping it real for us. But uh, Zane. You miss, I think you missed it when I was pumping
2: up this beer, but I fucking love it. I a guy yeah, That's what
1: the, sorry. What, what kind is it? This
2: is we'll this instigator. is the uh, this yeah the instigator. Okay. I had the I had the uh, I had the Marco Polo Pilsner last time. I'm not. I was saying before. I'm not. A, I'm a light beer drinker, so this is i didn't think i'd like this but i love it good. Yeah. Yeah. okay go, who, who,
1: which one of you guys know kim gowlin oh that's me that's my second or oh, jeez there I, you go that's
2: like my third or fourth mom
1: <laughs> quick hit here is a hot dog a sandwich i think we've had this conversation yeah, on the show before. it's not a sandwich it's a no, hot dog no. No. i mean it depends if you're having one of those montreal uh In, medium- oh, no, no, okay, fish, no no no
2: no 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 it's on a piece of yeah but now you're making a whole as good as they are it's still a hot
1: dog as it's good a hot, as they are, it's still. Yeah, hot I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just I, taking you're just the devil's advocate. I don't, I don't here. I'm <laughs> <sure> <laughs> it's a,
2: it's a fucking hot dog.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. Anyways, boys, uh, Matt Murray. Let's get to Matt Murray here yeah, because Matt geez Murray geez has geez had an incredible start to the year uh, from a Leafs standpoint. It's better than what people expected. I've been on the Matt Murray train from day one. <laughs> woo woo, woo, woo. Yep. <laughs> um, But Matt Murray, he's he continues to impress. Coming back from the injury, he's uh, in four games. He's 2-1-1 oh, one one with a 9-13 save percentage, 276 goals against. Both numbers better than what he has uh, career-wise, although it is a, s- a small sample size. Uh, Peter, your thoughts first on Matt Murray's play so far this season. It's looking like the goaltender that they needed.
0: playing We saw how much the media bashed the whole – Samson in the Murray trade, and again, it was risky at first. But give them the opportunity to play. Don't go like I, I remember watching uh, free agent frenzy when it happened, and they're everyone on like every single network is just like, what are they doing? What's going on? And they're like, they're not going to go far. Well, you look around the league, everybody's struggling goaltending wise. You look at Darcy Kemper, he's not faring well, or he's not doing so hot with the Washington Capitals. Jack Campbell's not any better with the Edmonton Oilers. Cheers. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> there go. We got answer right there. But um, yeah, it's this is what the Maple Leafs needed. This is a great redemption story for Matt Murray because you want him to thrive. You want him to succeed. And he's doing it in front of a better team or with a quote-unquote better team in front of him. They do have the lapses every now and then, but it's much better compared to Ottawa. And when they brought him in, they were uh, giving him lofty expectations with a team that had no business Competing whatsoever for two three years. Now that he's in a better situation, we're seeing with the numbers, and we saw last year the numbers started to increase later on in the season when he started to get healthy. So the way that it's working out right now, you couldn't have asked for a better. This the gamble looks like it's starting to pay off. Although, like you said, small sample. We want to see more. They're trying to limit it, his play time because Schaubren's going to net tonight. It was going to be four starts in six days form or you don't want to overdo him. You don't want to overexert him so that way you can have like another injury, you know, whether it's leg, groin, another adductor, keep him safe, keep him what he needs to be, you know, give him the rest, give him the low management like Kawhi Leonard. And with Ilya Simsonov coming back, possibly they are going to have that dynamic tandem because when he was playing well, when Murray was gone, these were great. Murray playing in Samsona's absence, you're still getting that solid goaltending. And just overall, with his play, he just looks more confident. He look He's making big-time saves. He's st- he's steady, tracking the puck very well. Again, glove hand, still a work in progress, but there has been flashes where the glove is really well. Again, you, you just c- couldn't ask a better start for Murray aside from the first game or a better bounce back for Murray than you are getting right now.
1: Alex, I know this morning you tweeted out that uh, you know people are going to be angry that uh, Matt Murray's not going tonight, but we need to give have the respect for the fact that this guy's coming back from from an injury, played three straight, really overall playing well. Why why push the guy? We're going to get a guy like Eric Schalgren to start tonight against the uh, New York Islanders. Quickly looking at Schalgren's numbers: two two and two two and three. Sorry, um, two eighty six goals against, eight ninety three save percentage. Again, those numbers are better than what he has career wise. And realistically, if you go back and look at the games that he's played for the Maple Leafs this year, he's been hung out to dry, you know. In in a lot of situations, mm-hmm. your thoughts on Eric Schogren getting the start and not running with you know one of your one A one B guys that you went out and got this offseason?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, when when both goalies went down with an inch excuse me, jeez, it's too much beer. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> I, I don't think it was too much beer. I think it was just too fast. Drank it too fast. Um, you know, when both of your goalies go down early on. I think that's something that's, you know, everyone knew about Murray's durability issues, but that's something that's kind of unprecedented. I don't think Eric Schalgren expected to be starting just about every game for the Leafs in these, these past couple of games. So I think that he's been fine given what he's had to sort of be thrown into. He's had a couple of great games here and there. He had that great game against Carolina. He stood tall when he came in relief for Samsonov against Boston. He looked great against Vancouver. So, I, I mean, I'm not really losing a lot of confidence with Chagrin being in net. Um, but, yeah, like I said in the tweet, I mean, you got to understand that if you want Matt Murray to be the Matt Murray from the 2016 and 2017 Pittsburgh Penguins teams, the guy who can take control of a game, who can put the team on his back, then you got to take his health into consideration. And for a guy who, you know, in his first practice of the year, or second practice of the year even, pulled his groin, and missed six weeks from there. He's not exactly a guy that you want to be throwing into the fire and just overworking into oblivion until Samsonov gets back. So, you know, Shogren, I'm okay with him starting against a team like the Islanders who are sort of middle of the pack. And when you look at Matt Murray, his two biggest struggles are his durability and his glove hand. His glove hand can be worked on, and his durability can be managed. Those are two things that the Leafs have control of, that they can work to get better and better in every game. I just want to say in those three games that Murray started, his glove hand looked better. Mm-hmm. He made a couple of glove saves. Yeah. It wasn't like that first game against Montreal where every single goal went over the glove side. Like um, that,
0: The game winner, of Josh Sanders, said, I will give the benefit of the doubt because it was a turnover.
2: That was, it was yeah. a horrible turnover. It wasn't for a pizza <laughs> right up the middle. But, uh, yeah, overall, I mean... It's just one of those things where, you know, Leaf fans want Murray to work out. And for Murray to work out, they got to be smart with the way that they start. him. this guy's started three games in a row coming off an injury. There's no problem starting Shogren tonight and then going back to Murray next week. And then hopefully by the time Samsonov is back, because he's traveling with the team this weekend, he's not ready quite yet. But hopefully by the time he comes back, then the Leafs are in a good dynamic where they can start both of those guys and feel comfortable with both of them going into any game. Mm-hmm. That's something that the Leafs have not had with a tandem ever. Because it's either been they've got two decent goalies who are both hit or miss. Or they've got one good goalie and one awful back of goalie. Yeah. So I think if the Leafs can harness the best versions of Murray and Samsonov. And they know what they have to do to keep Murray in good condition and keep him healthy. I think they just got to keep doing what they're doing. And, you know, like you said, Peter, it's a small sample size. It's only three games since he's come back from injury. But... We, we saw in those three games what Murray at his best is mm-hmm. capable of. And, you know, the Leafs, as much as their offense went dry in the past two in the, bowl, in the game seven last year anyways, and then in, in the playoffs against Montreal two years ago, they do need offense, but they also need a goalie who can make a timely save. And Murray has shown that he can make those timely saves. So they just got to do whatever they can to shelter him and, and, and make sure that he's in a good space mentally and physically. And I think if they do that, then... That's that trade's gonna pay off.
0: It's a good thing you brought up Tommy says because you did not get that from Peter Morazic at all last season. No, you I didn't get
2: that from Jack Campbell. You didn't
0: either. get that from Jack Campbell. How, like how, like when the when the calendar flipped to January, so it goes back to us talking about like how you know Forbes that you said that this is the best duel possibly in the Atlantic when they're healthy looking like it right now. I got, I got crucified
1: for that. I got Crucited. absolutely crucified. It's looking
0: great right now because Florida with Bobrovsky and Knight, as good as Knight has been, Bobrovsky's still the Achilles heel of that team in net. Boston, you know, Boston's Boston their first, but like everything else is wide open right now. That And like I said, that balance of Murray and Samsonov is going to um, give them that opportunity to succeed and thrive in the long run. And I'm going to say this, this is probably the best tandem in terms of depth-wise, the Maple Leafs have had in so long where it was always Frederick Anderson carrying the load for three straight seasons, Jack Campbell carrying the load for two straight seasons. Now, you have that balance.
1: This is perfect. Yeah, and uh, a few weeks back, Alex, it was you that said if the Leafs can get 918, 920 save percentage from a guy the like average. Matt Murray, they're going to be good. Yeah. And right now, sitting at 913, I'm, I'm feeling comfortable. Okay, I'm feeling comfortable. And you get, you get a guy like Samson Samsonov back – you're going to be a little bit more comfortable. You don't have Eric Schalgren as the guy mm. as your back. If you don't, have, you know, Keith Petrozelli No disrespect for him, to him, but you don't have him sitting on the bench as well. To have these two guys, I think it's it's you know it you ha- you have to be you have to be excited about what this this team has, right? Um, and and again, no disrespect to Matt Murray, but Matt Murray of of the Pittsburgh Penguins winning those cups still needed help from marc Andre Fleury to get it done. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Toronto right now and you see Matt Murray playing at 913, 276, you're you're comfortable, but you've got that Ilya Samsonov that can come in here and and take a few games and take some of the heat and put a little bit of the weight on his shoulders, that this is a good duo. This is a solid duo. And I'll, I'll, I'll double down on this is the best duo in the Atlantic. Forget Linus Allmark having a career year with the Boston Bruins. Jeremy Swayman's coming back from an injury, so Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens there. But Boston's obviously got their distractions as well that we won't get into it. We won't won't get into (laughs) it. We we, we already discussed that. Boston has their distractions to the fact that, you know, this team is excelling early on in the season, Mm -hmm. but we've seen teams come off on hot starts like the Boston Bruins and tail off at the tail end of the season. Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo Sabres, a perfect example. So to have a, a, a team kind of struggling off you know, out of the gate, you've got your two goalies that have dealt with some injuries. Now, now you can kind of manage how you play them the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And to speak to the time management, I don't have this on our discussion here, but something that I've noticed over the last couple of games is JT and Austin Matthews. And you guys know how I feel about the NBA and their load management BS that goes on in there. (laughs) You know, LeBron James maybe plays 50 games a season and still gets paid $148 $148 million. Dollars. Um, but you've got the Leafs doing load management here with Tavares and Matthews, having them ready for the the playoffs. I want to get your feel on that. Like if you look at the numbers, Matthews over the last five games has, has uh, o- uh, passed the 20 minute mark only twice with three games under 16 and a half minutes. And then John Tavares over the last five games, oh, wow. just one game over 20 minutes. And that was 20, 30, the, yeah. rest of his game, the rest of his game is under 18 and a half minutes. So, with that in mind, Alex, load management, are we becoming the sick league of the NBA yeah. here or what? <laughs> you know, I'm going
2: to be completely honest. I'm actually shocked that Matthews only played 13 and 14 minutes in those games. Those are two of the Leafs' best games of the season against Pittsburgh and, and Buffalo, and he played 13 and 14 minutes respectively. That's kind of shocking, especially since I look back to – um, when Babcock was coach of the team, and I remember I was so pissed off when he would cap out the Matthews line at 18 minutes max, would never let them play more than 20 minutes. So, I mean, it's kind of shocking, but at the same time, I think there's a way that you can look at this where it can be more of a testament to how good the fourth line has been and how compliment, how good and complimentary the second line has been. You notice that both of those wins right there, that the Leafs, they're both of those games, sorry, rather, I mean, they were wins, but... Both of those games where the Leafs had Matthews only playing 13 and 14 minutes were part of those games where they split him up from Marner and they had Matthews, Nylander, and then Tavares, Marner. I think it's more of a testament of just how they're spreading out their offense and they've now got more lines that can do damage instead of just loading up that top-heavy first line. You know, if that line gets shut down, then you've got the second line. And if they've got that shut down, then the bottom six is a black hole. I, I don't think it's like that anymore. I mean, you know, the Malgan camp and aston reese line is not done much offensively but they're not supposed to be doing much offensively they're going out there and they're keeping the play going every time they're out there they're strong on the forecheck and then they they, like they do a good job of I don't even know if I'd call it load management it's just a matter of keeping Matthews fresh and keeping Tavares fresh Mm -hmm. and allowing them to go out and do damage because they're still producing in these games so um, I think until we get to a point where Matthews is sitting for like 55 out of the, or sorry, he only plays 55 out of the 82 games or whatever, then I think we'll be fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that I didn't, I, I truthfully wasn't even aware of until I just
1: looked at it right now, but it's clearly been working. So I'm okay with it. Peter Kawhi Leonard this year is making $42 million <laughs> and has played maybe two games. Are you okay paying a guy like Matthews 11 and to, to, a 15 minutes game when he's supposed to be your number one he's supposed to be your 60 goal guy I don't see him getting to 60 goals when you're playing 15 minutes yeah. a um to
0: Alex's point to build off the whole Mike Babcock thing I think right now we're like I'm trying to figure out an example where like you're sheltering the minutes quite a bit that can't happen and yeah that is disappointing because you're a star player you want like you don't see McDavid playing you know 13, 14 minutes a game. He's out there playing 20 plus. And yeah, he's had, then again, McDavid had a serious knee injury and he required not necessarily surgery, but he rehabbed it on his own. Matthews had a wrist surgery, needed to, you know, get back into form last season, still scored 60. Yeah, you want your top players to be playing top minutes, but I think I would be okay if it was 19, 20 minutes a game. Every single time, I th- I think he I think Sheldon Keith is starting to go back to Babcock and rely a little bit more on his depth, especially that fourth line of Reese, Morgan and Camp. And we know we're, they're starting to come together. They're starting to show great chemistry. But then again, you're playing too much of a matchup game like Babcock did, and now with the star players going, and you want to get them going too. You're not going to shelter his minutes. You want the offense to go. You want him to shoot the puck more. You want to give him more time on the power play. Then again, the power play is another question mark in itself with the point shots and patience and everything because I could go into an hour-long spiel about that. But give him, just give him the ice time. Like I, Again, I could understand why they're being a little bit hesitant, but let him play... Give the top six the top six minutes. Give the bottom six the bottom six. And if you need to play that matchup game, then you have options to go to, like Alex said. Just make sure the top players are getting rewarded because what's the whole point of paying Matthews, you know, 11.5 mil or 11 mil for 15 minutes a game. And that includes power play too. And And again, the power play is a different scenario because if the power play is clicking, you're going to that first line right away instead of like rotating back and forth between the first and second unit.
1: I'm going to make my answer very, very simple, very short. If you play Austin Matthews for 15 minutes a game, let's say he scores 40 this year and finishes with 60 assists. It'll be the first time ever in his NHL career that he finishes with more assists than goals. But the Leafs get past the first round, you won't hear a peep out of me. <laughs> yeah, You will not yeah. hear You can a peep say that about a lot of yeah. things, honestly. If, but, if the Leafs
2: made it past the first round with Alex Kerfoot and Pierre Engvall on the first line with Mitch Marner, I wouldn't say shit about it.
1: I don't probably care. still would no, if you had no, Matthews
2: I, playing in the, on the third if, line, though. Even if Pierre Engvall scored the game-winning goal in Game 7, I wouldn't care because he went around. Be, I would be saying a lot of shit about it until
1: I see them celebrating that first-round victory. And if, then I'd sit back and I'd be like, Hold on, no, though. If Pierre Engvall did nothing for six games, came in in Game 7 and scored the overtime goal, I guarantee you that we would be sitting here talking about Pierre Engvall has Pierre offered Engvall nothing more. aside from that Game 7 winning goal. Because the second round is going to be the same story as the first round. So,
2: well, I, we're I, already I, speaking
1: in extreme
2: hypotheticals,
1: yeah, yeah, we are. We are, <laughs> anyways. Um, t- tonight's game, guys, this is like I said, this is the first time we are live doing a show prior to a Leaf game here in the city. We've seen some Islanders jerseys walk by, yep. we've got a lot of Leaf jerseys in here at the bottom line. Zane's over there wearing a Gary uh, Roberts jersey. A shout boy. out to Roll Gary back. Roberts, there you go, boy. Um, but uh. Leafs and Islanders, and we know the rivalry is there now. And it's not a rivalry based on a number of players. It's a rivalry based on John Tavares, who right now is leading the Leafs in goal scoring. The Leafs have had a hard time beating the New York Islanders over the past few seasons with with uh, Tavares in the lineup. So, Peter, I'm going to throw it to you first. Leafs, Islanders, tonight, what are you looking for? I'm looking for a John Tavares hat trick. Um, probably not
0: okay probably hey he did get a hat-trick before already this season so you know what if John Tavar again it's not so much a rivalry like you said it's not a rivalry between player and player on one team it's not like Calgary with Kachuk slash Huberto and Weger like it was on Saturday between a city and a player because a, a player followed his he followed
1: his heart he wanted to be close to his family he wanted to get the he wanted his family to grow here. Yo, it was, it was I'll sit, I will stay with this for till the end of time. It was a family decision. It was his you wife. A job a here in Toronto. Decision. It was a family decision. Yes. He, of course, he's a boy from Toronto. He would love to come back here mm-hmm. to, to criticize. And I don't know if you guys saw the, the video I retweeted of that New York Islanders fan. When, when JT got a, got oh, a, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, and the guy is the sitting there, you promised us, you promised us that you weren't going to leave. And I'm like, Things change that guy. Life happens. I'm going to take a breath. He was on the verge of crying. (laughs) It was the funniest video I've ever seen. You know what? For me, it wasn't, I was sad. I was sad for that guy because he was so (laughs) devoted to the, the fact that Tavares was not going to leave, that he had to buy those seats at the, at the glass against the penalty box and hope to hell that John Tavares got a penalty that night. So he could yell everything that he had written down for the last 12 weeks. About how he was going to scrutinize John Tavares for choosing the Leafs over the New York Islanders. That dude spent a lot of money to yell at John Tavares. Yeah. That's... If 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 I'm a player right now in the league, are you going to the island? No, absolutely no. not. Absolutely no. not. You're coming and... to the mecca of hockey. Yeah. If I, you know what, if I was a pro hockey player, and I
2: ended up signing with the team, and the Islanders were in talks, I would straight up go to the media and be like. You know, I almost signed in Long Island but then I saw that video that guy screaming at Tavares I just didn't want to be in that position so yeah. eh, I just didn't feel like signing yeah. there but it it just
0: overall game wise I think I'm just looking for the consistency to happen not just for Tavares but everybody on the lease. because that game against the Vancouver Canucks oh wait Buffalo yeah. Sabres never mind was text was a textbook win and Alex I know you were like you were already like ready to throw in the towel because the Sabres are already already on a seven game losing streak. I was, and we all knew, we we all knew what was going to happen, but they actually played their heart out. They played extremely well. And for them to, sorry, we just had some some
1: Islanders fans walking to the bottom line. So we're we're trying, we're trying hard to concentrate here, but there was a huge line of Islanders fans. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But, um, they're giving us yes yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just an overall play yeah. manage the puck better cuz you know the the Islanders in the past they like to have that counter-offensive game just be smart yeah be smart attack and play play with play like you did against the Sabres that should just be the mantra for this game
1: absolutely Alex what do you got for the game tonight against the Islanders
2: yeah i mean i'm obviously looking for a big game from Tavares um, you know i it seems like seems like a good opportunity for him to show up and uh, once again stick it to his old team i know it's not really the same because they're playing in toronto but um i'm looking for a big game from him i picked him on my timmy's picks today uh that's i i don't know if that's a good omen or not i've kind of been on a bit of a losing streak lately so maybe i cursed <laughs> him, but we'll see um but yeah you know the islanders always play the leafs tough it's always a a strong shutdown game i know trotz isn't there anymore but I I can't imagine.
1: But Lewis, Louis yeah, oh,
2: Lou is still there,
1: Lou is still there. So Lou, has uh, got his hard on for for sticking it to the Leafs. So <laughs> we know we know he's going to go hard tonight to try and get the yeah. Leafs, uh, Leafs a loss. Yeah. So
2: I'm I'm really just looking for a solid performance. I you know all the all Leafs fans have ever been asking for for God knows how long is a good effort every night. Mm-hmm. Don't show up and look like you don't give a shit. And you're just trying to get your paycheck and leave. Just a strong effort. The Islanders. I find the Leafs always have trouble with teams who, who tend to um, play the Leafs in like a bit of a grinder, like a hard, not not necessarily like a like a goal scorers game, but more like a blue collar, just like grind you down, work your work you into the ground. So I'd like to see the Leafs flip the narrative and control the pace tonight. And uh, if they can do that, then I see no reason they can win this game.
0: Although the games that they played against the Islanders last year They did look like they could handle that Grinding, shut it down yeah, kind of the Leafs have style got, They
2: could counter, counter it now. They've gotten into a little bit of a weird dynamic With, with the Islanders in recent years Have you noticed that mm-hmm. their their third goalies Have been getting wins against them lately? Yeah. Joseph Wall got
1: a shutout mm-hmm. against them last year J.S. Barubi. Michael Hutchinson did the year before yeah. <laughs> J.S. Berube Are you serious? I'm pretty sure he got one against the Leafs uh, I'm almost positive Against the Leafs J.S. Barube. Oh, you're talking Leafs. Leafs, I'm third, t- yeah. I'm saying that the Islanders. Jasperi no, no. got <laughs> to
2: win Former, against Leafs. No, goalies. no, no. Leafs, Leafs third goalies in the past have absolutely destroyed. Um, uh, they've destroyed. they I don't know where I just went with that thought. Leafs third goalies. They had bad the performances. Um, yeah, have <laughs> bad, best performances against the against the Islanders. So who knows? Maybe we we'll see that tonight from Shabur.
1: Gentlemen, I'm going to go a different way. As as much as I'd love to see JT stick it to the Islanders. I want Marner to extend his, his point streak yeah. to 13 games. I want Morgan Riley to extend his point streak to seven games. I want to see Morgan Riley goal too. I would I would so love to see any goals from our defense. Yeah. I, hell, Jordy Ben can, can pot another one and I'd be happy. Regardless, I want to see a win. I want to see Eric Schaldgren step up and make some plays. I want to see this team not hang him out to dry. Aside from that, I just want to see a Maple Leafs win. So we will see what happens here in Toronto tonight. Like we said earlier on, we're live from the bottom line. We're going to be here here after we're going to be here after Hold the on. show. Hold on boys, the passion's coming out. Let's go. Passion's here. Alex just got his jersey <laughs> he got back. You got his jersey. From real sports here in <laughs> Toronto.
2: A Shout little out Jason for picking on my jersey for me. All right, you guys want the bigger reveal?
1: There you go. You got there a you Jason go. vintage jersey. Get, vintage get a human on there. Get a, a shell <laughs> on there. Uh, he did retire.
2: He's, com- he's coming me.
0: back. He's coming back, Gooch. They need him. They need him. Oh, and it- let's go,
2: baby. I, I, honestly, I lost hope that I was going to get this jersey back tonight. <laughs> I'm so excited.
1: Anyways, folks, as uh, Alex throws the MVP passion the back night. over his yep. back here. Passion never left, baby. Passion never left. <laughs> Like I said, we hope for a leaf win. We are table. here live at the bottom line, twenty two Jump uh, Front Street, twenty two Jump Street, oh my twenty two Jump Street. Let's go, twenty two Front Street. Steps from the Hockey Hall Jen? of Fame. And uh, guys, as always, it's been a pleasure doing this with you. If you guys want to follow us on Twitter or any of our platforms, you can follow follow uh, Peter at P You can follow Alex at A Hobson Media, or you can follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes. You can follow the show. On Twitter at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. Or you can follow us on any of the streaming platforms Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're on all of them. Hit us up on YouTube. You can watch these live shows live on YouTube while we're doing it. So you can see all the stupid mistakes that we make as we make them. <laughs> it, you can you can make bets on some betting website about how many mistakes are going to happen on Sticks and the six. There's, there's I think we already reached the over today. There's going
2: to be a six and the six fuck up parlay. At some absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I
1: take the over every time, yeah. guys. But it, anyways, yeah. it's been a pleasure. As I said, a quick uh, message from my wife today. My son woke up from his nap. He came downstairs, saw Daddy on TV, and he said, "Too many beers." So there, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go, my son. My son's looking out for my well-being. And Oakley uh, Forbes is calling uh, his old man out. Shout out to Oakley for, for really killing it with those beers. He did bring me a beer the other night, though. When I was watching, I the saw game, that so. too. That was absolutely You're awesome. You're raising him right. You're yeah, raising, I'm raising him right. That's that guys. Shout out to the India House for bringing us these beers, and, and Barry for bringing it down. Um, thank you very much uh, for supporting the show, and to everybody here at the uh, Bottom yep. Line. Thank you for supporting the show. We will be back next week with episode 105 of Sticks in the Six.